Welcome. You're listening to the Equine Photographers Podcast, the place to learn from top equine professionals around the world as they share their experience and knowledge on what it takes to be an accomplished equine photographer. Now your hosts, Peter DeMott and Gigi Embricks. This is the introduction to the first Equine Photographers Podcast. Believe it or not, equine photography has lots and lots of depth. Um, there's people that do cowboy western lifestyle photography. There's people that do horse shows and fine art photography. There's even people that specialize in one herd of wild horses um, and do fine art photography. I'm Peter DeMott. I've been doing equine photography for, oh, 10 to 15 years now, ever since my wife started participating in in endurance riding, where I take pictures at those events. I also do farm calls and portrait photography, and I do senior students and uh, other types of photography here in Southwest Ohio. For people with horses, I will go as far as Northern Kentucky and Southeast Indiana I'm one of your hosts here for the Equine Photographers Podcast. Now, obviously, we're just starting out, and we're going to get better at this over time, so please be patient and listen to a couple episodes before you make your decision whether you like the podcast or not. And give us lots of comments and feedback as soon as you can so that we can get better and better as we go. Uh, Gigi is another one of our hosts here at the Equine Photographers Podcast. And Gigi, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. Yeah, I'm excited about starting this project and uh, really looking forward to what we're all going to learn by doing this and sharing. I started photography about six or seven years ago. I picked it up when I lived quite remotely in Montana and was learning the digital camera and took a few pictures of my own horses, and I was hooked. I am married to a man from Belgium. His home country is Belgium, and we moved from Montana to Belgium, and then I go back and forth due to family from Belgium to Colorado. So I do more editorial photography, fine art photography. I do some portraits on request, but it's not my main business. It's mostly uh, editorial and fine art. So that's where I'm at at this point in time. Well, and both Gigi and I have been influenced heavily by the Equine Photographers Network, which is owned by Kareen Shippers. She is our guest today, and hundreds and hundreds of both amateur and professional photographers are learning more about equine photography through this network. It's all about education and learning the ins and outs of both equine photography and the business of equine photography. Corrine has events throughout the year to help people to get hands-on experience in photography. She also runs her own photography business. I've seen that sometimes she travels the world to build her stock portfolio. I know she does stock portraits. Good morning, Corrine. How are you? Hi, Peter and Gigi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be uh, your first guest here on this podcast. And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting venture that you guys are starting here. We couldn't have started with a better candidate because uh, you have built quite a network of uh, equine photographers. So we're really excited to have you as our first guest. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you and... uh, There's so much to talk about as far as, uh, for me, with horses and photography, and um, it's been an amazing experience. Um, When I first started Equine Photographers Network in 2000, I never really realized it was going to grow the way it did, and um, back in 2000 was when we were first making the transition to digital cameras, so that was kind of a new world for all of us. Um, Equine Photographers Network is the website equinephotographers.org, and we started it Actually, we started about a year before uh, we actually created the website. We had a a Yahoo group. I don't know if people remember the Yahoo groups, but they were discussion groups that people could join that would discuss certain topics. And I started that group just as a forum for equine photographers to uh, meet online. And um, I was just amazed by the amount of people that came and 
And I was also really amazed by the fact that we all kind of had the same experience in our business and um, kind of a unique perspective on uh, the photography business was our specialty in horses um, is really so unique. And I, I do think that most of us have the same experience that we're horse lovers first and photographers second, which is what my story was when I started photographing in high school, I was taking riding lessons. I started riding when I was about 13 and it's been a lifelong love affair with horses since then. But I also had a, a very um, basic 35 millimeter camera that my father gave me and I would go have riding lessons. And then when I was done with my lesson, I would stay and photograph the riding lesson at the stable. And my riding instructor would use my photos as teaching she should, she could post her photos on the wall and and point out you know the good and the bad and the ugly and use it as a learning tool so from there on you know i've been photographing mostly horse shows in the 70s and 80s and 90s and um in the 90s i was getting older and and i was really getting kind of burnt out on the horse shows i was doing maybe 12 to 15 events a year and gone every weekend and at that point, I started the Equine Photographers Network, and um, I think we the original <coughs> site started out with 50 people, and um, at this point, uh, 15 years later, we're close to 500 members from all over the world, and uh, we've kind of built the, the website to be uh, a network, a support group, a directory, uh, portfolios. We've built it to kind of provide what the people need and what they're looking for. Definitely a lot of business education and mentoring that's going on. Uh, the workshops are very popular. We put on workshops four or five times a year and have some amazing locations. And the, the beautiful thing is, is being able to meet people online from all over the world, but also when we have the workshops to meet in person. And I've found that having the, the common love of horses and photography uh, when these people get together, it's like they're instant friends. And um, I think having those those two things really unites us. And um, I think what it all begins with is the horse. I don't. I can't think of a m more wonderful subject to photograph. And even with me, I've been doing it since the 70s now. I'm still not tired, and I still don't feel like I've taken all the photos I want to take. So for me, it's um, just being where the horses are, finding where the horses are, following the horses, um, trying to uh, document what's happening with horses, and um, also supporting the members that are doing the same thing. It's an exciting time in photography, and um, it's also a little bit of a confusing time as far as the business end of it. So the Equine Photographers Network is kind of the place where we all gather and try to support each other, try to figure things that's about my story in a nutshell right now. <laughs> Corrine, of the 500 members, I know that some of those are pro and some are amateur. Uh, some people are participating in your organization just because they love horses and they want to do photography, but they don't have interest in becoming a business. But, but other people are there because they want to make equine photography a business. Can you tell us a, a little bit about how those are different and how you treat them differently on the group? Sure. Um, we have two levels of membership. We have the professional members who, um, they're working professionals. They, they're in legal business. Um, to qualify for pro status, they should be in legal business for two years, which means they've got a, um, a, a business ID. They collect tax. They pay tax. Um, They've, you know, they've got a business license, whatever it is in your state or your country to be a legal business. Um, and then we also have a general membership, which is for people who are thinking of going pro or who are just amateurs and want to learn more about their cameras. And I find that probably the majority of people that um, are general members are um, very part-time or um, never, you know, have no um, ideals of ever going pro but they want to learn more and you know we welcome anybody who's interested in photography and who um wants to learn more it's it's a really exciting time because people can take great photos with the equipment that they have right now 
But just because somebody tells you you take great horse photos doesn't mean that you need to go pro. And I think people tend to go pro a little too prematurely. They don't have all their ducks in a the row. They don't. Re- they haven't really explored really the business end of things. And that's so important to succeed in, in the business. The best way to take the joy out of photography is to try to make money at it. You know, once you once you're making money at it, you need to perform. You need to be able to do it on a consistent basis. Everybody can make a beautiful horse and beautiful light look good. But when your client calls you on a crappy day and their horse isn't the most beautiful thing in the world, that's when you really need to, you know, perform that day and, and make good images. And we can't all do that until we've had many years of experience. We've got the right gear. We know the light, we know our settings, we can, you know, we know we know our camera inside and out. And so we kind of try to help people along. You know, I have turned down people who've come to me and wanted to go pro and said, well, you know, let's give it another year and then come back. And usually they're good about it. Sometimes they may be a little offended, but I think that they understand. And, um, you know, it is a little bit arbitrary because some people are further along than others, but you know, not everybody's ready to go pro, and uh, a lot of people that go pro too soon realize that, you know, they they can't make money at it because they, they don't have all their ducks in a row. So there's a lot more to being a pro than um, just taking good photos. The, the, the taking good photos is the easy part. Yeah, so, um, I have to agree. That is, the business part is, from what I found since I've gone pro, I probably take less pictures and do more business, you know, projects like the bookkeeping and all that. So I, I totally agree with you there. That that yeah. we we spend a very a very small percentage of our time is actually in creating the image out in the field, which is the best part of our job. But you know, if if we're lucky enough to have help at home or a business partner or office help, which some of us do, but not many. We do all the work, which includes taking the photo, getting to the location, buying the gear, office work, marketing, um, editing. Editing will take up, you know, more time than, it, you know, you, for every every day that you spend photographing, you'll spend another three or four days not only editing, but all the, all the work that needs to be done at, at the office. I think being a professional photographer has kind of been romanticized. I don't think it's a real, you know, we, when I'm sitting in the airport waiting on a delayed plane, there's nothing romantic about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're hauling equipment and you're um, wondering if they're going to take it from you. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And also the point I'd like to make too is, you know, the traveling is great, but the one of the best tips I've ever heard in my life is to shoot know and shoot what's in your backyard and and Gigi's a good example of this because she gets to ride her bike around in Belgium and find these beautiful draft horses and trees and things like that and you know you can go to amazing workshops and get some brilliant shoots set up for you but explore what's in your own neighborhood you know horses and and pony clubs and 4-H groups and kids with horses and and that's the that's the place to start photographing. You know, you're going to work up the the ladder. You're not going to start at Rolex. You're not going to start at the World Cup. You're going to start at the little 4-H shows. You know, kids with their horses, seniors with their horses. You know, get a foothold in the community. Do really good work. Give really good customer service, and your business will grow from there. But it, it is. It, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody it's easy. It's it has gotten a lot harder over the last ten years. But there's people out there doing phenomenal work, and I think you just have to stick with it. And um, I think customer service is really important, and also doing something that you're comfortable with. If you you know if you don't have the gear to do low light or indoor work, then don't take the work because you're not going to be able to produce a product that you'll be proud of. So stay in your comfort zone and just keep working it from there, and keep learning. But, um, you know, some of my best photos are of my own horses right in my own backyard when the light is right and, you know, the fall colors or whatever. Work with right. what you have available to you. Right. And then you also know your your own lighting. You know what time of day the sun's going to shine on this object because you're familiar with your area. I 100% believe yeah. in working some your people- area. You're running out the door in my flip-flops because, you know, the light is right and it's only going to be right for maybe two minutes if I'm lucky. And I may not even get there in time, you know. So, that, yeah. And, and that's 
what photography is all about is is seeing that light and being ready to to capture it. But now, Corinne, those kinds of pictures, those are end up being your in your stock image uh, website or yeah. I think also uh, it's important as an equine photographer to be as versatile as possible. I do I do stock, but I still do a few events. I still do some farm work. I still do editorial. Um, I, I do a little bit of art, not so much anymore. But, um, you know, I think the more you can do, the better. I You know, there's people that just do horse shows or they just do, you know, one thing. And I, I kind of worry for them because – if that market dries up, then they have nothing left to fall back on. So that's kind of yeah. my philosophy to, to do as much as possible, learn as much as possible. Even if you don't like doing portraits, if somebody calls you and they want a portrait of them with their horse, I mean, you should be able to do the job, even if you don't like to do the job. I mean, I've taken jobs that I don't like, but they pay well. And I mean, you have to pay the bills. So it, you know, when you're amateur, you don't have to do that. You can just shoot what you love. But when you do it as a job, then you have to take the work. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard work. And, so, you know, sometimes it may be a little bit out of your comfort zone. But this is where you invest, invest in your gear, invest in your education, and, you know, know that you can create what they need. And if you really feel you can't do what, then you do turn it down. But, um you know, I've I've had some big projects that were a lot of work, but they paid the bills. So um, it's just a matter of being, you know, as diverse as possible. And, and with my stock library, I don't sell a lot of stock, but I do have a small amount of very good clients who are, and I know the look that they're looking for, the certain, you know, covers and things like that. Um, so that when I'm shooting, I will, you know, I, I know as I'm shooting that I go, Oh, this is a cover for this catalog. And, and sure enough, you know, a year later that that is the picture they'll choose. So it's really studying what images people are using, what images appeal to you. A lot of photographers are getting a little too complicated with Photoshop and, and textures and background replacements. Get a really nice, simple, vertical, clean, appealing, seasonal image and that will be a magazine cover i guarantee it and you don't have to do anything to it it just has to be um just a good simple composition um that's yeah. what they're looking for study what people are using study what catches your eye look at other people's work and um you will learn a lot from that and also put your own work out there and and put your ego aside put your emotions aside and listen to their reactions and don't take it personally because as long as we're emotionally involved with our photos, it's hard for us to hear any kind of criticism. But once we start to take the critique, we will grow. And um, Susan Sexton once said, you know, you can't be emotionally involved with your photos. And, you know, many of us, when we get a really good photo, we're so excited about it. We're kind of blind to uh, any criticism. So a good thing to do is put your photos on your computer, the, really one, the ones that you think are really great, and let them go for a month or two. Come back again a month later and see if they're still if they still have that impact because some photos will have major impact right away. You're so excited about them, and then maybe a month or a year later you look at them again and they just they've lost the impact. But other photos, every time you look at them for the rest of your life, you get kind of get that heartbeat. You know, you're like, oh my god, that's a great photo. You're not yeah. going to take any of those in your life, but when you have one. You know, Ansel Adams says if you get, what, eight in a year, you're lucky, which, you know, I think he, that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, I get eight, one in a year, I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, eight that will stand the test of time, too, you know, that yeah. would be a fad sort of look or a fad sort of pose or, you know, a classic. Yeah, yeah there's lots of facets going on, too, you know, that I see, you know, on our groups that, People kind of are experimenting with one thing, and it's great to experiment, but you kind of have to experiment and then find your own style, you know, and well, that's that, the hard I, I was just going to ask you about that. We want to get into the business of photography here, but I know some people drill down in a specific uh, niche of within equine photography. I mean, there's people that all they shoot is Arab stallions, and they go all over the world and shoot for some of the highest costing breeding farms in the in the world but let's talk about your business a little bit more can you kind of give us the percentages 
of where your income comes from? Like, is it mostly, is it 50% Equine Photographers Network or is it, uh, you know, 10% stock photography and 20% editorial or, you know, because you're, you're a diversified photographer and some people are, are more specific. So it'd be kind of interesting to hear what makes up the overall cash flow of your business. Um, well, I think that EPNet now is taking most of my time and is most of my income, and I'd say probably 25% of my income is coming from my photography. But, you know, I don't do my photography as much as I probably would if I didn't have EPNet, but I'm I'm delighted to have EPNet because it allows me to, to travel. And, you know, a lot of the workshops that I organize, I get to to build on my own stock and go to places that I've, you know, always wanted to go. I would say that um, out of my personal photography business income, I'd say half of it is still event and um, portrait, you know, farm portrait type work. And then the other half is uh, stock and editorial and that kind of thing. We've got the big horse drive coming up the end of the, or uh, in May. And um, for that, I um, produce calendars. So I have income from that. And I've got a lot of stuff going on, and it's hard to keep track of myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you need an assistant. <laughs> Peter, I have no idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes. As long as money coming in, I'm happy. But yeah. Yeah, as, long as, it's, as long as it's in the plus side, no worries. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never made a lot of money at the photography, but for me, it's been a, a beautiful business because I was able to raise two children, and uh, we never had a babysitter for them. I'd be gone on the weekends, and my husband would take over. And so I was able to keep my business going and still be home and raise the girls. And then um, now that they're out of the house, um, I have EPNet, and I've kind of got my freedom back, and I, I travel for the workshops and things like that. So I've been really lucky and blessed with you know the whole my whole career path. And I see that it's gotten a lot harder now. And, um, you know, these people that are specialized in one thing, I think there's a, a small percentage of those that are doing really well, but I don't think it's a way to plan a business for people that are coming up now. I, I, I mean, there may be one or two that might have the right connections and may just, you know, have the, a really unique style or whatever. But um, if you're planning to do this as a business, I still think that it's, important to be as diverse as you can be and make contacts on the local level and explore all the markets. I mean, there are a lot of options out there. We have little business discussions um, here and there at the workshops. And one thing that I recommend people invest in is uh, the Photographer's Market Book. It comes out every year. It's like a Bible. It's, it must weigh five pounds. And it's all it is is markets for photographers. So there are plenty of people out there buying. Images aren't as valuable as they once were, but there is a way to make a living at it. And, I, you know, I, that's what EPNet is all about, just trying to figure these things out. Right. And yeah. I, I know on EPNet there's, like, smaller groups within the organization because each breed of horse is presented in a different way where the, you know, uh, walking horses have – photographers that shoot in a certain way and uh, Arabs in another way and stock horses in another way. And you, you really need to know about it. Yeah. The magazines and the, and the website, the breed websites, you study those and every breed has a standard and a look and you can see very quickly uh, what people are advertising. Um, the quarter horse people have been loving to do those collage type ads with the you know, the fancy backgrounds and the the horses move a certain way. And, you know, there's Gail Bates and, and um, there's a bunch of guys that just do the stock horses. And then there's quite a few people that do the Arabs. And But I think, you know, as a photographer, it's good to know all of them. And also, you know, if you're not specialized in that breed, sometimes it's interesting to see how another person does it, you know, just to give it a fresh look. Because I do think that, you know, they... Some of these, they all look alike, you know, and I, I think it's important as a photographer for your work to stand out. So, yeah, it's a challenge. And also, yeah. you know, it's all about the gear. I mean, if you don't have <laughs> the right gear to shoot a horse, especially, you know, a breed type photo, a confirmation shot or a headshot, then you, you know, you're you're kind of doomed before you even start. So 
I teach a uh, basics of equine photography online course every year, and we go through all this: um, the the gear, the shooting headshot, shooting confirmation, shooting action, um, and then we, I give feedback on assignments that I send people out to shoot. Just understanding the gear and um, taking your camera out of auto mode and not shooting in burst mode will um, make you a better photographer. You know, it's, it is a highly specialized field, and I think I always tell people knowing horses first is your first best step in photographing horses because yeah. not knowing yep. horses and trying to shoot them is really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, don't you think understanding their behavior, I found that to be a real plus for me. Absolutely. Is yes. being able to read the horse before that moment comes. You're gonna, you're gonna find it because you know horse behavior, and that's yeah, another that, aspect of our. You no, know, with with and and you know we'll find that most equine photographers and horse lovers are women, and we have a real affinity affinity for horses. It is all about uh, emotion and expression and behavior. You know, horses are very good at at showing us these things and. Knowing horses is going to help you so much and all that, and um, it comes through in the photos. You know, I mean, yeah. I, if you don't if you don't don't love what you do, then you know it's it's going to show in the photos. So I think that's a if you love them and uh, you know know them, then that's yeah, really it shows. So with the digital photography, you know, everybody with a fancy camera thinks they're a professional now. And and it happens in wedding photography and portrait photography. You know, there's people out at the parks taking family pictures that really shouldn't be because they don't really know what they're doing yet. In equine photography, like you said, there's an affinity maybe for women that love horses. Uh, there are men in it, too, of course. But... Uh, the thing that I see from time to time is somebody that says, well, I want to do equine photography as a business because I don't want to have to deal with people. What do you, <laughs> what do you say to Good somebody luck. like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you see that from time to time, don't you? The business, you know, I love the horses, but the people are, can be a real challenge. Um, you have to have people skills to run the business because you're selling, you're selling the photos to the owners. You know, I don't know how you, how you would avoid dealing with people in a photography business. You know, unless you're a wild horse photographer, you're still going to be dealing with horse owners, show managers, editors, um, art directors. I mean, you know, you're not going to avoid it um, unless you're independently wealthy and can, you know, just travel the world and do what you want. I, I see a lot of the men that have gotten involved with equine photography are just like you, Peter. They had a, a spouse or a, or a daughter that is riding and going to horse shows or horse or trail rides or whatever, and they and because they go along, they go to photograph. And um, I've, I've been doing this so long now, I, I hear a lot of stories over and over again about how people got into photography. Usually, it's the men that got into it that way. And, right. Um, yeah. So the women usually come through the horse and then add the photography, whereas the men have the photography and add the horse. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. A lot of people are very naive. I just see this in wedding photography, portrait photography, horse photography, about the cost of doing business and running a business. And they think that it's, you know, if they charge two ninety five for a 8 by 10 that... Uh, cost them a dollar and a quarter to make they think they're making a lot of money well um, you know the problem, the problem with a lot of these photographers is that they're not really in business i mean they have a they probably already have a job or they've got income and they're doing they're hobbyists but they're kind of you know part-time pros it's a term that i hate it's called faux pros or wannabes i mean there's a lot of kind of derogatory terms for derogatory terms but uh, yeah you know i don't know i that's why we have EPNet to kind of help people. And I mean, there's for every one, you know, photographer who's got their business plan in place and is charging, you know, numbers to stay in business. There's probably 20 others that are, you know, putting all their images on a disc and giving them to the, you know, for the portrait session for $50. And, you know, you, you're going to price yourself right out of business that way. But as I said, they may not need to be making a living from their photography income. They've got other income. So that's the problem with photography now is the fact that there's a lot of people 
that are not really, you know, they're not in legal business. They probably don't have a tax ID. They probably don't have a business license. They're taking money, but, um, you know, they're not, not worried about paying the tax man coming right. up here in a couple tax. days, huh? <laughs> well, the rest of us are, you know, yeah. which makes, yeah. there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of resentment from the pros, and I completely understand that. The high-end photographers are going to do okay. It's everybody else that's kind of struggling. You know, I see really good photographers that do great work that are also struggling, and, and it's really hard to see. And a lot of them do get discouraged and quit, you know, because it's just too hard. People that are struggling like this will lose their love for photography because it's too hard to run it as a business. And, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's how it is right now. And, um... If I had any advice, I would say keep your keep your um, full time job or your part time job, and work at work at it part time. But do your research. Go to the websites like um, APA and ASMP, and um, they have really good business advice. This cost of doing business calculators um, on our EPNet forums. We have lots of links that will um, direct you to different websites where you can, I mean, it's all, it's all the information is out there. You just have to do the research. And a lot of people don't seem to be willing to do that. Also small business bureau uh, website has an amazing amount of interest for starting a business. And, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. I, you know, and when, when you have your own business, you're working 24 hours a day. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I'm like thinking, what do I need to get done today? What do I need to get done before I go on this next trip? Um, you know, you're always working. You, you don't, you know, you don't check out at five o'clock and go home. You know, I'm, I'm always, I I do believe though, that as you educate people that, you know, uh, when the tide rises, all the ships go higher as far as helping people to understand what a profitable business means. But, uh, you know, with your EPNet, you had mentioned an online course, so people don't really have to travel to get education. We we offer a number of online courses, and everything's at at equinephotographers.org. There's a link there that you can click on for events. We have online courses. We have some awesome Photoshop courses with Sharon Shepard, who really is one of the best in the world for Photoshop. And then um, Scott Trees does uh, business of photography. He does a lighting. Um, we have Kim Beers coming up doing um, Lightroom. Then I have my basics of equine photography coming up probably in end of June, early July. Um, there's a lot of education there. And one one more point about this whole business thing. Uh, a lot of I see a lot of people really worrying about what everybody else is doing, and it's such a waste of energy. I mean, I understand that, and sometimes I see things and I really cringe at what I see. But we can't. We you know sometimes we just have to let them let them do what they're doing, and you know try to do better ourselves and try to help others who are, want to be helped. Some people don't want to be helped, and there's nothing yeah. you can. You know, the networking with other photographers, I think, is the best thing. A lot, you know, a lot of photographers don't want to deal, you know, they don't want to give, I don't know, they feel like they're giving away their secrets. I don't know. They don't want to network. But, you know, I've made so many great contacts. I've gotten work. I've given work. I've referred people. I've just had so many opportunities by doing this, and I feel like I've given a lot of other people opportunities to you know, just by the networking aspect. So I don't take that for granted. It's a, a huge um, bonus to your to your business in ways that you may not understand right away. But the more you network with other people who you admire, who you want to be like, um, who have a positive attitude, you know, stick with those because they're going to help you. And I having a lot of negative, I think, is you know just going to drag you down. So even though yeah. There is a lot of not bad stuff, but hard stuff going on in photography right now, and we do tend to dwell on that. But photography, I mean, on the other other side of it, it's such an exciting time. The technology is amazing. The cameras are amazing. We can, you know, post stuff online to people in Russia and Australia. I mean, it's just, you know, even though you know images really have very little value anymore. At the same time, you know, look at how we can document the world and and show horses and and show what's happening and see what's happening in places we'll never visit. It's just amazing. So yeah, take 
take the good and, you know, try to just not, not get too um, sidetracked with all the negative stuff. That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just horse photography. I think every aspect of photography is going through an evolution and yes. it'll settle down later. And, you know, you just have to be ready for when it, it levels out and keeps going. And, and we're creatives. We have to get creative now, you know, on how well, we're going to do this. It was, is, I don't know. There was a stat somewhere that said that um, 85% of all images now are created by iPhones. And look at all the media outlets that are, are all iPhone photos and videos. I mean, this is where it's going. You know, I mean, yeah. there's always going to be a need for good DSLR, you know, 300 millimeter type imagery always, I think, as long as there's print media. But the instant um, availability of images and news, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So, I mean, no, it's it, we're not going to be making money on a lot of these things that we used to make money on. But I think there is still ways to to have it as a business and, um, you know, and, and the whole social media thing is so exciting, but, you know, of course, Facebook keeps changing the rules. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it makes it more difficult to yeah. get the word out. You had mentioned a 300 millimeter lens. Corrine, what's, what is your camera bag look like? Um, I, I have, uh, Three Nikon D3s. I have not moved up to the D4, mainly because the D3, I had two. And um, what I love about the D3, is probably kind of silly, but they've got two CF card slots, and I just love that. I think that's such a great feature. And the D4 has a CF slot and an SD slot, which makes no sense to me, and it's a lot more money. So I've stuck with the D3. I, in fact, I just ordered another one. And Wow. So how, what do you need four cameras for? I don't, but because <laughs> <laughs> come on now, <laughs> you can never have too much photo. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the, other, the other three are getting a little beat up, so I'll probably sell one. But you know, I'm not in any hurry to because, as I said, they're not making them anymore, and I'm going to stick with this system for at least another couple of years. And my, I treat my gear really hard, so I like to know that there's two or three <laughs> that I can go to in case one dies, which they very rarely do. Um, so I have the D3 bodies and I like having one camera so that when I go between bodies, it's the same, you know, then it's not two different models that I kind of different from each other. Um, the D3 is also awesome in low light. I can go to ISO two or 3000 and get great images. I can go higher than that if I have to, I very rarely need to, but, um, it's a, the, the digital cameras now are, are, uh, awesome in the low light, which is so wonderful. When we were shooting film, we if we went up to ISO 800, that was it. We couldn't go any higher than that, and so low light was a real problem. The go-to lens is the 80 to 200. That's the one that all equine photographers should have. You can go to a website called keh.com and buy used gear there for very reasonable, and it's a very reputable um, company. I do all my business with them. Um, the 80 to 200, you can get the older versions for a lot less than the newer versions are brand new or 2400. I think you can get older versions for under a thousand. So, um, and then the Nikon has also come out with a very nice lens, which is the 80 to 400 wonderful lens and not as good optically and not as fast as this 70 to 200, but for like when I do my big dressage show, it's got great reach. So I can, I can work between four rings and, and, you know, not have to be running around as much as I would with a 70 to 200. But my very favorite lens that I told my husband I would marry it if I could is my 300 to 8 lens. It's a beautiful, it's just, it, oh. it takes the most amazing photos. It's just beautiful. So it's a nice uh, but, prime you know, lens. Yeah, the prime lens is, uh, if you're talking image quality, the prime lens is the one to have. And um, the zoom lenses tend to make us a little bit lazier as photographers, but this, you know, for horse show, 70 to 200 lenses going to give you the, the best options as far as photos. It's a versatile lens. Um, the 300 lens though, if I'm just out on my own and I'm, you know, going out to visit horses or even if I'm driving around, that's usually the lens I'll have in my car. Hmm. Um, it's just, it's, and it's also like a good wildlife lens. Um, 
The D3 camera also has a very nice feature in it, which is, um, I, I think most cameras have this. Um, it's called image area. If you go into your uh, uh, shoot menu, you can, uh, it's a full frame body, but you can make it into a crop factor. So you can uh, put a little crop on it. So a 300 millimeter lens at that point would be up to four, some four, I think four. It's like, yeah, I was going to ask you if you, that camera was full frame or a crop sensor, full but they're frame. full frame. Right. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. hear, I didn't hear you mention like 18 to 40 millimeter or anything like well, that. Do you have yeah. them for horses? Anything under, I mean, we, you know, this is something I teach a lot in my courses. Um, the, the number one uh, mistake that photographers make with uh, horses is they shoot them too wide. So they're going to take their 50 millimeter lens and they're go out shooting a horse and then their horse is going to look all distorted. That's because it's too wide. It's a good portrait lens, but it's not for horses. The horses need 135 or 200 and you're really pushing it at a hundred depending on the angle. If you're shooting a three quarter angle, if you're profile view, you can get away with it. Um, I, I have another really nice lens that I like is the 24 to 120, and that's a really nice um, walking around lens. Um, I use it a little bit around horses, but again, you need to be um, careful with distortion going too wide. But um, once you know how the wide angles distort, it can be a lot of fun to play with. I mean, I have lenses from a 10.5 millimeter, which is a fisheye, all the way up to my you know 80 to 400. So I've got focal lengths from 10.5 all the way up to 400. The 10.5 is a fun little lens if you want to be really distorted. That's um, like the the big head puppy dog pictures, yeah. right? Yeah. You know. I yeah. use I use that sometimes with you know I do the draft horses and plowing and we'll get low and have a real yeah. wide angle like a 17 and it's just a great kind of powerful look from the back end, you know, it makes yeah. their Back end look even bigger. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the the wide angles can if they're used um, properly and you know how they work can can uh, do some beautiful things. It's hard to do with horses, but it can be done. I think you just have to really understand the result of the the uh, distortion. And um, I you know I have a, a few wide angle lenses. I really don't use them that much around horses. Once in a while, I'll take one out just to play because we do get stuck in that 70 to 200 millimeter lens. And sometimes you get a little stale shooting with the same lens all the time. And, um, yeah. you know, in the summer when I'm home with my horses, I'll just take a wide angle lens and I'll go, go hang with them. And, you know, if you have pretty clouds or something like that and you get that low angle and with the sky, those are beautiful shots. They're, sure. they're completely for, you know. for a scenic, you can use the wider lenses and, and do it pretty good. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about distortion, it's, it's really about the distortion of the proportions of the horse versus the quality of the lens. You can have a very nice wide-angle lens, but if you distort the proportions of the horse, then the horse looks like it's not a very conforming horse. Right. So, if, if you're shooting confirmation for somebody, you definitely don't want to use a 35-millimeter <laughs> lens. No, you really the rules of um the focal lengths and and um i think it was uh gail Bates or some I, i'm pretty sure that she years ago um we had a workshop in california and she was doing um that three-quarter angle stock horse you know where all the feet are certain distance away and that's probably the hardest angle to get well on a horse and um i think she shoots those at like 300 millimeters she's like the further the further you can get back the better you know even at yeah. 200 millimeters, sometimes those those three-quarter angles look a little little weird you know so well and, a, and you know it's funny 200 millimeters with the horse people think well i'm gonna stand 10 feet away but really they need to be 30 40 50 feet away to get a good good proportion on their horse I, I hear that a lot in my course when, when I'm telling them you need to be shoot everything at 200 millimeter and they all come back and say, I was so far away from the horse. I, I can't get, you know, that was something they really have to get used to. And, but that's also, I think the beauty of that lens is when we're at a horse show shooting at 200 millimeter, we can stay away from the action. We don't need to get in anybody's way. We can be in the middle of the ring. We're not interfering with anything that's going on at the show. So Learning to shoot at 200 millimeters, I mean, that's a good thing to 
horses. And I, it's a practice that everybody kind of needs to get into if they're going to be shooting around horses. You you know, I mean, horses are a big animal. And especially when you have a ring full of them, you need to, you know, stay out of the way and stay safe. And, and also, you know, keep the horses safe and not get them into trouble. So Right. So, hey, my last question is this. Uh, I know you have a Facebook uh, address and you have... Uh, horse critique, uh, picture critique, Facebook page. Yeah, my personal page is, is Image Equine, and then um, I also have horse drive photos. And then we have the. What was that uh, one? What was that one? Horse what? Horse drive photos. That's from the Colorado uh, Horse Drive. Oh, horse, oh, drive. horse drive. Right. Yeah. right. And then um, for Equine Photographers Network, we have Equine Photographers Network on Facebook, which is a very active page, and we do a lot of. Um, sharing from our members pages and that we've got about 235,000 fans on that page. So it gets a lot of traffic and we have a lot of, uh, you know, I try to share as much as I can through that page, any kind of news and photos and things like that, that are happening with our members. And then, um, we also have the daily horse shots, which is a really fun page. We've got about 4,000 members there and we have a theme every week and everybody's allowed to post one photo a day. And um, it's just a, basically kind of a, a fun, motivational, supportive group. And what, amazing. What, what was that one called? It's called Daily Horse Shots. Okay. Is that on Facebook or is that a website? That's a Facebook page. Okay. Group. And uh, it's amazing work that comes through there from all over the world, just horses and uh, one photo a day. And then the other page is the Horse Photo Critique, which is uh, more of a critique page and um, – not sure how many people we have over there, but uh, it's that's more for real critique on your photos. And um, sometimes it can get a little heated, but that's okay because, you know, people are passionate. And, um, you know, as long as there's no, no personal attacks going on, we try to moderate it very lightly and um, try to keep people in line. And most 99% of the people are good. It's only when it's a full moon that things might get a little crazy. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. The moon deadly comes around every so often. <laughs> yeah, I've been moderating these groups long enough that I know every once in a while there's going to be a, you know, two or three days where everybody goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now you also have the Equine Photographer's Newsletter. How many people does that go to? Um, that, we, that's an email newsletter, right? We have a direct mail newsletter, and I think that goes out to about well, we do the weekly photo week, which features a member's photo, and then it kind of has a synopsis of news and things that are happening that week. And that goes out to, I think, about 3,000 people. And then the newsletter, which is an occasional newsletter, is about, I think it's about 4,000 people. And uh, we, uh, we've been running the newsletter now was uh, quite a long time, and um, that's one of the hardest things I found is to pull together the newsletter and um, yeah, that's a job. It really <laughs> is. And then yeah. just last of all, uh, for people that want to join EPNet, you have like a one month free offer or something like that. Uh, they can take a free trial if they go to equinephotographers.org. There's a um, there's a tab that I think it's join, and um, there's a 30 day free trial they can register for and that gives people access to our forums which are a uh, uh, treasure trove of information it's all searchable so uh, there's all sorts of great topics there the forum is not as active as it used to be um, before Facebook came along we do have a members chat page on Facebook which is pretty active um, but people just don't seem to go to the forum as often which is kind of frustrating because it is such a great resource and I think a lot of members aren't taking full advantage of, you know, all, everything that it, that has to offer. Yeah, but, plus uh, it's archived where Facebook is not going to be archived. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I really urge everybody that's interested to just you know, sign up for the free trial, and then they can also, if they're on Facebook, they can go to Daily Horse Shots and Horse Photo Critique and check us out there, and, um, you know, the, we have uh, the newsletter so we just try to be the, the resource for equine photography. And um, it, we've got some amazing members, and we try to do what we can to promote everything that they're up to and get their, get their work out there. And, and um, for the pro members, we have 
things like uh, job needs that come through and they get a directory listing and they're searchable. People can find them. And, um, you know, I think a lot of our members will tell you that they've, their membership has paid for itself by referrals and jobs that they've gotten through. Um, yeah. yeah. I started my education on your, on Bitcoin Photographer Network. A, a, a success story, Gigi. I know, you know, <laughs> there's a lot more like you, you know, they start as a hobbyist and then they learn and, and grow and make it into a business. And now look, I mean, it's amazing what some of our members have done and accomplished. And over the last, well, we started in 2000, so it's been 15 years, but right. yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's uh, a great resource. Yeah. yeah. So, Corrine, thank you so much for being our first interview on the Equine Photographers Podcast. Well, you're welcome. And, it was fun. And uh, as soon as we get our website up, we'll we'll link all these things onto the show notes for this particular podcast. And we hope uh, everyone out there will uh, continue to listen and and enjoy learning about equine photography as a business. Well, I wish you lots of luck, and I'm looking forward to listening. Yeah, I think we'll all learn in in this venture, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you guys doing it because uh, you know this. Everybody always has good ideas, but there's very few people that actually want to work on them. So yeah, well, once you do start, it gets to be a little more involved than you think, right, Peter? Oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're passionate about going forward, so we're we're well, going to go. When we started EPNet in 2000, I had no idea it was going to become what it has. So you never know. I mean, it's when there's a need for things, you know, then you. You're yeah. kind of uh, very, re- it's a big responsibility, but it's also very rewarding. So I yeah, hope it is. Yeah. And I hope we can carry each other into the future. I think they'll yeah. they'll go good together. You know, it'll be um, something we both, both uh, organizations can work together with. Definitely. All right. So thanks so much. And we'll, yeah, we'll all thanks. see you later. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for the Equine Photographers Podcast. We hope that you were inspired to grow and improve as an equine photographer by listening today. Join us for the next episode to learn, grow, and be inspired as we interview some of today's outstanding equine image makers.